0: Sorry, yeah, just for the record, my name is Victor Agape. Um, yeah, I'm the host for Online Bible Communities, Bible Study on Tuesdays. All right, so last week we looked at... Um, last week we looked at... What did we call last week again? Pardon me, please. We looked at um, prayer and fasting. Yes, the second part of Pray prayer and fasting. and fasting. Yeah, thank you. And I really encourage us, right, if you if, if we were not around last week please go listen to the podcast um, on our podcast channel. I'm dropping the link right now in the group. I'm, just, I'm, dropping a group drop, I'm dropping the link in the chat, rather. So please do well to listen to, to it. All right, so today, just like we, we put out, out there, we're looking at speaking in tongues. And I think this is one area that generally the body of Christ has had the most division about you know about speaking in tongues about praying in tongues there are several several ideas about it and um and several you know doctrines have gone on about it so what i want to do today is um establish from scriptures what speaking in tongues is and and we'll look at examples of people that speak uh, of encounters rather that people had as regards um speaking in tongues and then next week we will go on into, you know, the more practical aspect of it in terms of the value, what it, how it benefits us. And then if we are able to finish next week, then the week after that we'll go, we'll have a, a one hour session of, of for five minutes to one hour session of just praying in tongues or prayer generally. Um, if we're not able to finish next week, then we'll wrap up the third week from now and we'll continue like that. But one thing for sure is I, I don't want to rush this topic simply because, number one, is very important, and number two, there's been a lot of, um, a lot of division about this, and I, and I believe the Bible is clear enough, and we'll all look at it together um, today, praise God. So we're going to look at it together, and please let me encourage us, if you have any questions, go ahead and ask, you can drop the questions in the, um, in the chat, I'll, I'll answer them towards the end. Or if you can wait till the end, you can then ask the questions. But I just suggest that you ask as the question comes up. and If it gets answered along the line, along the way, that's fine. If it doesn't, then we answer it specifically at the end. But all right, so, and yeah, I put up on the the fly. You know, funny enough, my wife saw the flyer and she was like, oh, Victor, really? Jesus didn't speak in tongues. You're going to answer that? And I said, yes, Jesus didn't speak in tongues. And there's a reason for that. So we're going to look at that. We're also going to look at, you know, Okay, I just asked a couple of questions. What's the big deal about speaking in tongues? Uh, and also, must I speak in tongues to make heaven? All right. So let's go right away. Our our anchor text for today, or scripture I want us to begin with, is Matthew chapter sixteen. Sorry, Mark chapter sixteen. Mark chapter sixteen. We will start with that. Um, verses fifteen through eighteen. So as always, if you are there, please go ahead and read for us. Mark chapter 16, um, verse 15 to 18. Anyone there should please read for us. Mark all right, let's, 16, okay, go
1: ahead.
2: Yeah.
1: from 15 to 18. And That's then 15. he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. A new <laughs> They will all, they'll be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on a stick, and they will be healed. with NLC.
0: All right. Thank you, um, Idara. So this was at this point, Jesus Christ was about leaving the earth. He had, he had finished his work on earth. He had died, resurrected, and he was having you know a final conversation with his disciples. And so he began to give them instructions for what they should do next. And so verse 15 tells us that he told the disciples to go into the world and preach to every creature. Now he began to he he then went on to list out certain things that will follow. He said that um, he that believes and is baptized will be saved. And then um, he that believes not wouldn't be saved. And then he goes on in verse 17 to say that these signs will follow them. Now I want you to know that what Jesus Christ was was explaining here, or what Jesus Christ listed out here afterwards, were not normal There were no normal um, experiences. They were divine signs, meaning that the things that he listed did couldn't have happened except the person fell into a, and falls into a particular category, namely a believer. What I mean by that is if the person is not a believer, these signs wouldn't follow them, all right? That's to tell you that these signs are actually divine in themselves. They are not signs you can you can make up by your own self. They are not signs you can, um, anybody can just mimic. They are signs that are divine, provided a condition has been met. And the condition here Jesus Christ gave is that the person is a believer. So He says that if you believe, um, He and these signs shall follow them that believe, it says, number one, that in my name they shall cast out demons. So one of the first signs of a believer is the ability to cast out demons. And I'm really trusting God for the time when um, He'll give me the go ahead for us to talk about, um, for us to talk about, you know, demon, demonic operations, possessions, and all of that. I'm laughing because just talking about some who are already some who, you know, well, anyways, talking about some who get scared, and I, I still don't know why, but. Yes, I look forward to that time where we'll talk about demons and it is such an interesting topic, I assure you. By the time we're done with that topic, whenever God gives us the liberty for that study, when we're done with it, you'll literally be looking for a demon to cast out. But anyway, let's move on. So the first sign is they'll cast out demons, all right? And it's very important. The second sign Jesus Christ gave is this in verse 17. It says, in my name they shall cast out devils. Then it says, they shall speak with new tongues. Now, Jesus Christ listed speaking in tongues as an as an as a sign that follows those that believe. Now, I'm emphasizing this to show you that um, speaking in tongues is not a natural sign. It's not, you know, part of the argument that some people have is that if you speak a language that is different from your language, that means you are speaking in tongues. So why do I need the Holy Spirit to do that? So for instance, if you are if you are Yoruba, sorry, if you are, if you are if you are Yoruba, yes, and then you learn how to speak Hausa, or you learn how to speak French, or you learn how to speak um, Dutch, or any other language. Um, some people claim that, well, that is speaking in tongues, that's speaking in other languages. So what is financial about that? Now, I'm reading this verse to show you that that is not what Jesus Christ was speaking about, because if you don't need the Holy Spirit, or if you don't, if you don't, if you don't meet the condition, right, for that, for, if you don't meet the condition, then you can't perform that action. Meaning that if you can perform an action without meeting that certain condition, then that action is not an exclusive action. That's what I'm trying to say. And it, uh, for, this, for this context, what this means is that if someone can speak in a language without the help of the Holy Spirit, then it is not a supernatural ability, and therefore it is not considered as speaking in tongues. It becomes supernatural if the person has to, if the person meets the condition of being born again and then the sign now follows them. All right? So I just want to establish that speaking in tongues is a supernatural ability. It is not a, you can't fake it. Someone that does not, that is not born again, someone that has not received the Holy Spirit cannot fake speaking in tongues. You know, I mean, some some people say again, and and I, I need to address this right away. Some people say again that what if, I mean, an unbeliever hangs around Christians a lot? This person hasn't given his life to Christ, but hangs around a lot of Christians, and he hears them speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues, and over time, the unbeliever can, imi- can mimic the Christian or can imitate what the Christian is saying, and maybe begins to say gibberish in the name of speaking in tongues. Does that count as speaking in tongues? And my answer is a simple no, simply because he's not empowered by the Holy Spirit. So it is deeper than just saying things that are, are that are not in english or saying things that don't make sense to your mind it is deeper than that it has to be fueled by the fact that you are born again empowered by the holy spirit so speaking in tongues is a supernatural ability given to believers right um, by god okay so we'll come to the definition later but let's finish verse 17. um they shall speak with new tongues okay verse 18 says they shall take up serpents and if they drink anything deadly it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So, if all of these, if every of these um, things on the, uh, listed by Jesus Christ was going to happen supernaturally, then there is no way we can excuse speaking in tongues as not supernatural. So, Jesus Christ listed all these things as supernatural signs that will follow those who believe, and um, speaking in tongues was one of them. Was one of them. So the first thing I want us to establish today is that speaking in tongues is a supernatural ability given by God to those who are born again, to those who believe, all right? So speaking in tongues is supernatural. All right, let's go to the next verse. Acts chapter Acts chapter one, I want us to read. We'll read Acts chapter one, verse eight to nine, and then we'll skip to chapter two. Um, where am I? Acts chapter one. For some reason, I just, I'm just th- still thinking about, you know, casting out demons and when we do that study. I'll share a lot of experiences with us. Anyways, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 to 9. Let me read. It says, now this was Jesus Christ speaking. He says, but you shall receive... Um, You know what? Let us go back to... Before we read verse 8, let us go to verse 4. I just want to read verse 4 to show us something. And being assembled together, this is verse 4 now, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, um, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which said he, you you have heard of me. All right? Verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from, from now. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus answered, Jesus said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. Verse 8, where my emphasis is, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. All right, so Jesus Christ, again, was about living. This is this is Luke's account. Um, by the way, Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he also wrote the Acts of Apostles, all right? So this was Luke writing the accounts of, of Jesus Christ when he was about living. And he said that, um, you know, Jesus Christ gave an instruction to the disciples that they shouldn't leave Jerusalem until they receive the promise of the Father, all right? And then they asked him and said, Oh, now that you're about leaving, are you going to re- restore the kingdom back to Israel? And Joshua said, You don't need to know that. That is something that, that um, lies within the jurisdiction of the Father. He's the one that determines the times and seasons. However, what you need to know is that you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. All right. And then you'll be witnesses unto me. So the reason why they were going to wait in Jerusalem was so that they would receive the promise of the Father, who, who, which was the, which is the Holy Spirit, right? And then when they do, they will receive power. Now let's go to chapter 2, verse verse 4 to see what happened. So they continued in Jerusalem. Pentecost came. And then um, chapter 2, verse 4 now has this to say. It says that, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Let me take that again. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, Jesus Christ said they should wait in Jerusalem till they receive the promise of the Spirit. And when the promise of the Spirit came, something happened. The Bible says that they were filled with the, with the Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues. Now, I am taking my time to explain this, to, to make this point. That speaking in tongues is... As a result of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, all right. So look at it. Jesus Christ said to the disciples, "Wait here in Jerusalem until you are filled, until you receive the promise of the Spirit." And then, uh, what was the promise of the Spirit? The promise, sorry, the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father was the outpouring of the Spirit. And then, um, um, verse eight says, "You shall receive power when the Spirit comes upon you." Now, th- this was Jesus Christ te- giving them um, heads up as to what will happen. This verse four of chapter two, now tells us what actually happened. That they received the Holy Ghost and as a result of that, they began to speak in tongues. Meaning speaking in tongues is a product of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, all right? Now, these are very, very um, basic fundamentals that I I need us to, to agree on so that we can begin to build on it. The first thing I said was that speaking in tongues is a supernatural act, only available to those who are in the category called the believers. Meaning, an unbeliever cannot speak in tongues. An unbeliever doesn't have the empowerment to speak in other tongues. Secondly, the believer has the empowerment to speak in tongues when he receives the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All right. Now, why I'm saying this is because, again, um, a group of so a group of Christians have argued and said, "Why we have the same spirit when we we have the Holy Spirit when we get born again." So what is the difference with the Holy Spirit that we received when we are born again and then this infilling of the Holy Spirit? If I received the Spirit when I was born again, why do I need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost again? All right? And I want to say, before I even move further, I honestly want to, you know, I want us to share our own answers and let me hear from us what we think. So this is the question. Why, do, why does a Christian need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? If he has already received the Holy Spirit at um, salvation, anyone wants to answer? Do we get a question? First of all, let me show you got a question. Do we get a question? Um, well, okay. Thumbs up if you, got, if you got, got the question, and if you want to give us an answer, please go ahead. Why do why does a believer need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? if they have already received the Holy Spirit at salvation. Because the Bible clearly says that um, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So when we receive the Holy Spirit at salvation, when we we are born again, right, we see the Holy Spirit in our hearts. So why why doesn't that count? I mean, why why is that okay, rather? Why why isn't that okay? Why do we need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost before we can speak in tongues? All right, so on to the rescue. Please don't be afraid of a wrong answer. There's, feel free to share what's in your, in your heart. <clears throat> um, Lola says in the chat, we are following the example of Christ, but being baptized. I, I would need more explanation Lola, if you don't mind. Okay, by being, um, we're following the example of Christ by being baptized. Hmm, I think I still need more explanation for that. Um okay while we're waiting for Lola if she's going to explain to us any other person wants to tell us why do we need to um, receive baptism of the Holy Spirit
1: I don't know how to place this word three. <laughs> but I think it has something to do with power so um my understanding so far was that um, baptism was to give power
0: for weakness, being, um, breaking. Sorry, Ida, I think we lost you for a bit. Can you take that again?
1: Can you hear me? Okay, um, yes. Yes. Okay, so I'm saying, so I said, My understanding is, I think that influence has to do with empowerment, something that has to do with power. So I'm not so clear. What my own understanding is, that power was needed for their witnessing, for that witnessing, that assignment that they were giving, and for the signs and all that. So that's my understanding.
0: Okay, okay, great. Uh, So she says for witnessing and for... Um, yeah, so basically for witnessing and for the assignment I was given, all right? Um, okay, Lola says the Holy Spirit came down when Jesus was baptized. Good, good point. But then I would now want to ask you as a further question. So why didn't Jesus speak in tongues then? But I'm not asking, let's, let's not go, go there yet. But based on what you just said, Lola, I would be tempted to ask you that why didn't Jesus speak in tongues if, if that was the case, all right? But let's not get into that yet. All right, um, Oluwa says activation. Hmm, that sounds very deep. That would need some explanation as well. All right, anyone else? Um, Oluwa Toyin, are you saying something? Okay, anyone, anyone? All right. Okay, so let, let's move on then. Um, let me answer that. So... Jesus Christ says here that um sorry am so Acts of two verse four right says they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues right and then Jesus Christ said in chapter one that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so why why what is the difference between the Holy Spirit we received when we get saved and then the Holy the baptism of the Holy Spirit all right and it's very simple i, I would want to explain this with two Two um, verses of scripture. And let me just make reference to that funny thing. Fun fact, yeah, I actually didn't even have this in my notes. But I'm happy it came up. So I'm going to read quickly. John chapter 4. John chapter 4, yes. Um, in John chapter 4, we see the experience of... We see the experience of um, the woman at the... The Samaritan woman at the well and the encounter she had with Jesus. All right. So I just want to go quickly to verse... Verse 13, right? Verse 13, now, and and you need to follow this carefully. Verse 13 of John chapter four, this is what Jesus Christ said to the woman. Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinks of this water shall not thirst again. So Jesus Christ was proposing a water, a a kind of water to her that would give satisfaction beyond what she has ever experienced. And verse 14 now says, But sorry, let let me take that verse 13 again whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. All right, so Joshua was referring to the fiscal water, but then he was also going to advertise another type of water. Verse 14 says, but whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So Jesus Christ said that if you drink of the water I am giving unto you, the water in you will become, would result in everlasting life. Basically, he said it will be in you a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So Jesus Christ was basically saying that if you drink of this water I give you, what will happen is that the water in you will result into a, into everlasting life. And eternal life is what we get when we when we get born again, when we get saved, when we when we receive Jesus Christ, when we become believers. All right. So this experience, um, um, this statements, rather, was referring to the experience of salvation. This is what Jesus Christ said. So he said, "There's a water I'm going to give you. When you take of it, the result of that water when you drink is that you will give, be born again. Basically, you'll be saved. You have eternal life in you. It will result into a everlasting life in you." Okay. So this experience was is the born again experience that Jesus Christ was referring to. Now let's go to um, let's go three chapters after this. Go to chapter seven um verse 30 chapter 7 verse 37 okay so john chapter 7 verse 37 the bible says in the last day that great day of the feast jesus stood and cried he says if any man thirst let him come unto me and drink so again jesus uses the illustration of water okay um to represent something that will happen in man but follow carefully and see the way he puts it. He says, um, um, in the last day, if anyone, tell, okay, come to me and drink, verse 38, he that believes on me, as the scripture had said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So Jesus Christ says that, come to me if you thirst, and while you believe in me, what will happen is that out of your bellies will come springs of living water, meaning you first get, you first believe in Jesus Christ, which is um, synonymous to being born again. And then after that, there's now a, after that, you are now qualified for an experience. And Jesus Christ defined that experience by saying, out of your belly will flow springs of living water. So it's, at this point, it still sounded vague, but thank God, John in, in this gospel helped us explain what Jesus Christ meant. And verse 39 is the explanation. He says, but this, spake he of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive now take take note of this these people have, have already believed on Jesus right which again is synonymous to being born again but he now says that when they believe in Jesus they will now receive that spirit and he says um, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified let please say this in gradually and follow me the bible says that, what what Christ was speaking about was the was was the experience that those who believe should have okay so he says that he spoke of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive meaning they are believers but then they are going to receive this spirit and he now went on to say that at this point the spirit had not yet been given because jesus had not yet been glorified and we now see that um what what dimension of the spirit was given after jesus christ was glorified it's found in Acts chapter 2, where we just read verse 4. That the whole, if I you read the whole chapter, you see this very, very um, completely. That when Jesus when, when Jesus Christ was glorified, Peter in his message in Acts chapter 2 said, Please pardon me, and because the question came up, let me just read it so that it'll bring clarity to us. Acts chapter 2, verse um, verse 30. <clears throat> Acts chapter 2, verse 33. I'm just going to read this quickly. So remember, um, John told us that the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Okay, now look at Acts chapter 2, verse 33. It says, This was Peter speaking, therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, exalted there yeah, means glorified, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he had said, He had shed forth this which you now see and hear. Meaning, Peter was explaining to them the reason why they were why they could be baptized in the Holy Ghost and why they could be um, why they could speak in other tongues. Mind you, at this point, the disciples were already believers. Okay, but Peter and began to give an explanation that the reason why we could be baptized in the Holy Ghost is because Jesus now has been glorified, so He has shed forth the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that you all see. So this is in confirmation of the word that Jesus Christ Christ spoke in Acts chapter 7, where we just read, and as John explained here, that um, Jesus Christ was referring to the Holy Spirit that was going to be poured out when he was glorified, and that's what we see in Acts chapter 2. That is synonymous of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Another thing I want you to, to note here is that when Jesus Christ was speaking to the Samaritan woman in chapter 4... He didn't say anything like um, the Spirit had not yet been given at that point. He didn't mention, in fact, he went on to say that if I give you a drink of this water, it will result in everlasting life inside of you. And he ended there. He didn't, there was no explanation to say at this point the Holy Spirit had not come or anything like that. But when he now came to the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ spoke, spoke about, he now talked about it. Um, um, Bible. The Bible explains it in verse. Verse thirty nine here that at this point the Holy Ghost had not yet been given, meaning at that point nobody could have been baptized with the Holy Ghost, nobody could have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, and nobody could have been could have been able to speak in tongues yet because the Holy Ghost had not yet been given out to us. Okay, I hope that explains it. I hope that's clear enough. Um, if you follow the understand, follow the explanation. Sorry, please give a thumbs up or just drop something in the chat. If that was clear enough. Okay, no thumbs up. Ah, okay. Um, one person. Okay, that thumbs up. Okay, okay, great, great. All right. So that's why. Um, that's why. And, and I'm going to show you from scripture. We're going to look at today. I'll show you instances of people that were believers, but they were not yet born again, and then they had to now receive the Holy Ghost as two separate experiences. Why I am okay. Thanks up, Olua Larry. The, um, why I'm taking time to explain this is because many people have said that once you are born again, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, which is absolutely correct. If somebody believes, if somebody gives his life to Christ, to Christ, this moment, this same moment, the Holy Spirit d- dwells in his heart, d- lives on the inside of him. However, that doesn't that doesn't mean he's baptized in the Holy Spirit. So there are two separate experiences. Nevertheless, these two experiences can happen at the same time. Meaning there are people that get born again and immediately they get born again, they get baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I'll show you from scripture as well. But these two experiences are separate, all right? Okay, so let's move on. So what I want us to do, oh, okay. We're gonna have to look at, um, we're gonna look at Old Testament and see the prophecies that went forth concerning the baptism of the Holy Spirit and um, speaking in tongues. Now the reason why I'm why this is important is because um, no you know when it comes to establishing doctrine, okay, it has to have been prophesied about, or it has to have been spoken about in, in the in the scriptures, and it has to be, have been spoken about ahead of time. Prophecy must have given um, revelation to it. What I mean is, for instance, before Jesus Christ came, the Bible there were several prophecies about his coming. Even when Jesus Christ came and read the scroll. In the temple, um, he said, "This is what is written about me," and then he quoted the book of Isaiah. So, for any matter to be established, okay, there has to be prophetic um, precedence for it. There has, be, there has to be scriptures in the Bible that told, that foretold um, the, that experience. So, before the before the um, outpouring of the Holy Ghost came, there must have been scriptures that that foretold the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So, I want us to look at. Um, about two or three of those scriptures before we, we proceed, all right? Now, of course, the first and the very foremost and popular scripture we look at is Joel chapter 2, verse 28. So if you are there, you can please turn to it. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 to verse thirty. Anyone there please go ahead. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 to verse 13.
3: Joel two. Yes please. Twenty eight. And ye shall eat him. Joel, 2, Joel. 20. So. And yeah, yeah, shall yeah. To pass mm-hmm. shall come that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids. In those days will I pour out my spirit. I will show wonders in the heavens and the earth, blood, fire, and pillars of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come.
0: Praise God. Thank you. um, Thank you so much, Aurel. So this was Joel, the prophet, right, um, prophesying about... Um, the, the outpouring of the spirit. And for better context, read the whole scripture, read the whole um, chapter, sorry. Chapter two gives an elaborate uh, prophecy about several things that God will do at the end time. But this portion, right, I picked out because it addresses the outpouring of the spirit. And Joel was prophesying, saying that a time is going to come where the spirit of God will be poured out. Now, why was this prophecy important? It was important because at the at the time of this prophecy, the only people that had access to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right on their lives, were just a few, a few um, cat, uh, select number of people, people that belong to to few categories. So either you are a king, you were a priest, you're, or you are a prophet, or you were a judge. All right. Now, out of um, so aside this, the only other category was that you have to be maybe specially specially anointed for a particular skill. Okay. But aside this few category of people, there was no other person that had access to the Holy Spirit, okay? And then, um, so what happened was, if the Israelites wanted to consult God, wanted to find out from God, they had to go to the priest, or they had to go to the prophets, or they had to go to someone that had the Spirit upon him. And those people were very few. So when Joel said this, I mean, it was almost unthinkable that, that the Holy Spirit will be democratized that means anybody could have access to the, to the infinite of the Holy Spirit. And in fact, what even made this, this prophecy very unique was the fact that Joel said, not only will it be available, but even your servants will also have access to it. Even the young people, even the old people, everybody will have access to it. So what Joel was saying in essence was that there'll be no barrier to, the, to, the, to accessing the Holy Ghost in this dispensation. There'll be no barriers to when, um, when the Holy Spirit comes. Now, why this is very important is because several times people feel that they need to be called into the office of a pastor or a prophet or an apostle or any of those uh, ministry offices before they can be filled with the Holy Ghost. But that is absolutely not true because Joel's prophecy, which was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2, Joel's prophecy says, And it shall come to pass, verse 28, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So, the, so everybody that was that is a human being has the potential of being filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, then he says that your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And he says, upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days, I will pour out my spirit. So the outpouring of the spirit is for everyone. There is no segregation. God doesn't select only a few people and say, oh, well, in the church, I just need only five people that are my special people. Those are the ones that are speaking tongues or those are the ones that are filled with the Holy Ghost. There's nothing like that. Every single person, as long as you're a believer, you have access, you have rights, you have the privilege, you have the um, provision to um, to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and to speak in tongues, okay? So that's the importance of Joel's prophecy. Second prophecy I want us to look at, and by, yeah, Joel's prophecy was fulfilled in Acts chapter two. So you will we'll do well to read that. Now, second chapter, second um, prophecy in, in Old Testament is in the book of Isaiah chapter twenty-eight. Isaiah chapter twenty-eight. Um, okay, let's, let's read that with it first. I'll show you how it played out in the New Testament. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 9 to 13. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 9 to 13. Anyone there can read for us or I go ahead.
3: Isaiah 28, 9. Whom shall ye teach knowledge and whom shall make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from milk and drawn from the breast, for precept upon precepts, Precept upon precepts, line upon line, line upon line. Here a leads to, and there it leads to. For with stammering lips and another tongue, will he speak to his people, to whom he said, "This is the rest, wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, ye that would not hear." But the word of the Lord was unto them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line. Line upon line here a little, there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken.
0: All right, thank you, thank you, Ray. So, um, I'm just going to pick out this 11 and 12, okay? So it says, I'm reading from King James, says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people. So, now the context of this prophecy was more elaborate, however, as Isaiah was prophesied, he captured in his prophecy the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the consequence of that outpouring, which is speaking in tongues. And that's what verse 11 is referring to. He says, with stammering lips and with another tongue will he speak to his people. And how do we how do we know that this prophecy um, was about about the, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and, his, and, and speaking in tongues? The reason I know this is because if you go to First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 11, let me just turn there quickly. First um, Corinthians 14, verse 21. I beg your pardon, not 11. First Corinthians 14, verse 21. This was Paul now speaking several, several years, centuries um, um, centuries ahead of when Isaiah gave this prophecy, okay? So this was Paul speaking in First Corinthians 14, verse 21. He says, in the law, it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto these people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, saith the Lord. Verse 2, wherefore tongues are a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying servants, not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. All right, so Paul came back years later to make reference to this prophecy that Isaiah gave, right? And he made reference to the prophecy in respect to speaking in tongues. Now, the second verse where we read about the application of tongues and um, for believers and unbelievers and all of that. We'll look at that, um, by grace of God, next week when we talk about um, um, tongues for personal edification and then tongues for ministry to people. So we'll look at that next week. However, I just want to establish that Isaiah also prophesied um, the prophesied the um, coming of the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and and speaking in tongues as well. Okay, so now over to... We're going back to the New Testament. And what I want to spend the remaining time doing this evening is to show us five instances in the Bible where where people were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke in tongues. I want to show us five instances in the Bible, all of them from the book of Acts, where people were filled with the Holy Ghost and then they spoke in tongues. Why am I doing this? I'm doing this because, again, um, today I want to use today to establish doctrine. Um, so that if there are questions around speaking in tongues, we can doctrinally at, um, address it from the Word of God, okay? And also, if you if you have doubts or, you, you know, if you know anyone that has doubts about speaking in tongues or probably anyone that may later on listen to the podcast and that has doubts about speaking in tongues, the, the aim is that these evidences from scriptures would, would convince you. Secondly, if you speak in tongues, but you also probably haven't had full explanation as to why you speak in tongues and all of that, also, this explanation would be a great um, help to you. Now, before we move on, let me just quickly give definition of terms. I tried scribbling, <clears throat> I tried scribbling um, a, def- a definition or some points here yeah, about speaking in tongues. So I said here yeah, that speaking in tongues is a supernatural enablement given by the Holy Spirit to believers, which empowers them to communicate in a different language, either divine or natural. For which there was no prior education let me take that again speaking in tongues is a supernatural enablement given by the holy spirit so just like we explained um at the beginning from from the book of mark chapter 16 verse 15 to 18 that speaking in tongues is not a natural experience it is supernatural experience because jesus said these signs shall follow them that believe and just christ listed speaking in tongues as one of those signs okay so speaking in tongues is a supernatural enablement given by the holy spirit to believers which empowers them to communicate in a different language now in bracket i put here either divine or natural meaning the language could be a divine language or a natural language now the reason why i said that is because when you read the book of acts chapter 2 when the holy ghost came on the on the apostles right um on the disciples at in the upper room when they spoke in tongues the bible says that the people around them could hear them in their own tongues in their own language. Okay, so that at that point in time, the Holy Ghost gave them supernatural enablement to speak in, in language that was known to other people, but they themselves did not even know the language. That's why I said, um, the enablement um, um it enables believers to communicate in a different language, whether divine or natural, for which there were, there was no prior education. So, for instance, and, and I've had several testimonies like this. For instance, someone may be speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues, and to him, he doesn't, to him, he's speaking gibberish. He doesn't know or understand what he's speaking, but he's empowered by the Holy Ghost. However, somebody hearing him may understand that this language, the person speaking, is a language that I know, maybe the, maybe the person is from whatever country, and he hears that person speaking in tongues, but he understands it because the person speaking in tongues was actually speaking his language. However, this person speaking in tongues did not even know any language like that existed, and he was never educated in that language. So such instances exist, but they are not very common. They don't happen always, all right? Many times when we speak in tongues, we don't know what we're saying. and what we're, So our mind is not intelligent in what we're saying, and um, it might not even be any language on the earth. It might just be a supernatural, um, supernatural language um, from above, OK? So let me take my definition again from the beginning. It says, speaking in tongues is a supernatural enablement given by the Holy Spirit to believers, which empowers them to communicate in a different language, in brackets, either divine or natural, for which there was no prior education. Okay? Now, going further on that part, speaking in tongues is the initial evidence of being baptized in the Holy Ghost. Speaking in tongues is the initial evidence of being baptized in the Holy Ghost. It is not the only evidence, but it is the initial evidence, meaning there are several other evidences, there are several other proofs that somebody is baptized in the Holy Ghost. However, speaking in tongues is the initial proof that you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, okay? It's almost like saying, um, it's almost like saying somebody has, um you know, God forbid, somebody goes to the hospital and is diagnosed for, um, let's say, for malaria. One of these, uh, and the doctor, from his experience, knows that the first sign of malaria is having a headache. Now, when when the person comes to the hospital and says he has malaria, the, uh, or the person called for checkup, right, and the doctor, the doctor sees that he has headache and maybe sees that he's, he has a running, he's running temperature and see some other signs, the doctor knows that, okay, these are symptoms of someone that has malaria. In the same way, wh- one of the ways we know, one of the first ways we know that we're baptized in the Holy Ghost or someone is baptized in the Holy Ghost is the ability to speak in tongues. It is not the only evidence, but it is the initial evidence. And it is a very crucial, it's a very important evidence because several of the other, other results of speaking in tongues will, will be an offshoot. Sorry, several, several of the other um results of being baptized in the Holy Ghost will be an offshoot of speaking in tongues. Okay, I hope that's clear enough. All right, so let's go into the new into the book of Acts. And we're going to look at we're quickly going to look at five um five cases, right, in the book of Acts that people got baptized in the Holy Ghost and they spoke in other tongues. All right. You know, again, why I why why I needed to emphasize this is because um some people say well i can be baptized in the holy ghost and and not speak in tongues but it is it is almost like saying i can touch water and not be wet it's not possible because being being wet is a result of touching water and there's no way you are going to touch water and not be be wet there are two two inseparable events okay so if you touch water by all means you'll be wet And if I see that you are wet, then I don't need to, you don't need to tell me you touch water. I I would already know that you touch water because you are wet. It is the same thing also with speaking in tongues. Nobody can say I am filled with the Holy Ghost, but I don't speak in tongues. It is not possible. If you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you will speak in tongues. And if you speak in tongues, then you are filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay, that's the initial evidence. All right. So yeah, let's go to the book of Acts. Um, Acts chapter two, we're going to start with the first. First, um, first experience. Acts chapter 2. We've read it before, but we're gonna read it again. So Acts chapter 2, verse 1, verse 1 to 4. So I please read for us if you're there. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4.
3: Acts 2, 1. On the day okay. Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of wind was so overpowering. It It was all anyone could bear. Then all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they never heard.
0: Wow. I really love... um, All right, please read that last sentence um, again.
3: Okay. um, Verse 4 says, They were all filled and cubed with the Holy Spirit, and Mm -hmm. were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned.
0: Perfectly. It says they were empowered to speak in languages they had never learned. Okay. So this is the first time um, the Holy Ghost was being poured out. All right. Um, um, and by the way, since we're on this, let me just check in here that aside this first experience of the Holy Ghost being poured out, <clears throat> nobody needs to wait for, for, for them to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. The reason why the disciples had to be had to wait rather um, for the Holy Ghost was simply because Jesus Christ said to them and says, I am about leaving you guys wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Spirit. All right. And and um, John chapter 7 told us that the Holy Ghost will only come. John chapter 7 verse 39 says that the Holy Ghost will only come after Jesus had been glorified. Now, that is the whole explanation on its own. But that's why the disciples had to wait. So the moment Jesus Christ was glorified, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Now, after this... First out point of the Holy Spirit. No other person needs to wait for for long days to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. If somebody wants to baptize in the Holy Ghost right now, as we are talking, the person can get baptized in the Holy Ghost this same moment. You don't need to wait. You don't need to fast and pray. You don't need to go and wait in the, in um, for twenty one days before you are baptized in the Holy Ghost. No, that only was applicable for the for the first time that the Holy Ghost was poured out. Okay. And this is what we just read in Acts chapter 2, that the outpouring point of the Holy Spirit came um, upon the disciples, just as Jesus Christ has promised. And what happened, verse 4 says, they were filled with the Holy Ghost, okay, and they spoke in tongues. It's like me saying, again, let me use my example of water. I poured water on my hand, and my hand was wet. So my hand being wet was a result of the water that I poured on it. Okay, that is what happened here, that they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spoke in other tongues. So speaking in tongues is as a result of the infilling of the Holy Spirit or the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, um, however you decide to describe it. And when the Spirit of when the Holy Spirit is poured out, then people begin to uh, people begin to speak in tongues. Okay, so they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and then they began to speak in tongues. All right. So let us let that that's the first example. I want to read one more scripture. Um, um sorry, two more verses in. We actually, read them before, but I just want to read again. This is Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 32 to 34. So Peter was explaining what happened, he tried to give a um, perspective to the experience that was going on because a lot of people were wondering what was what was happening. Okay, and then he says verse 32 that um this Jesus, this Jesus had God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses, therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted. Remember John said, unless Jesus is glorified, the Holy Ghost will not come, will not be poured out. And Peter was explaining now that the Holy Ghost is being poured out because Jesus Christ is exalted. He says, and, and being at the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he had shed forth this which ye now see and hear. So Peter was saying the reason why you can see this and, and, and see all that is going on here is because Jesus Christ has been exalted and he has sent forth the Holy Ghost. Now, one thing I want to also point out is that Peter said, he has shed forth what you now see and hear, meaning that the people could see it, the people could hear that these people were baptized in the Holy Ghost. And again, this is to answer those that say, well, I can be baptized in the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues. And again, I say that's not possible because Peter said, when they received the Holy Ghost, that people that were observing saw and they heard that these people were baptized in the Holy Ghost. What did they see? What did they hear? They saw them speaking in tongues, they heard them speaking in tongues, okay? So speaking in tongues is an initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it's an important one of like that, all right? So let's move to the second experience. Let's go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, we will read verse 14 to 19. Acts chapter 8, verse 14 to 19. Anyone there should please
3: read for us. Acts chapter 8, verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the Samaritans had accepted God's message of life, they sent Peter and John to pray over them so that they would receive the Holy Spirit. For they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and were yet to have the Holy Spirit fall upon them. As soon as Peter and John arrived, they laid their hands on the Samaritan believers, one after another. And the Holy Spirit fell and filled each one of them. So what? To
0: verse
3: 19. When Simon saw how the Holy Spirit was released through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he approached them and offered them money, saying, I want this power too." I am willing to pay you for the anointing that you have so that I also can lay my hands on everyone to receive the Holy Spirit.
0: All right. So let let me give a background history to this. Okay. So um from chapter from the beginning of chapter eight. So first of all, chapter seven, right? Um Stevie was killed, um, and then the church scattered. So verse chapter beginning of chapter eight. Let us know that the church began spread abroad. There was so much persecution at that time. And then um, the church, your believers spread across several places. So Philip now, because of this persecution, Philip fled to Samaria. But when he went to Samaria, he began to preach the gospel. And several signs and wonders happened. Miracles took place. However, in his preaching of the gospel, he did not. And and look at where verse, verse 14 says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. So the apostles got wind of the fact that, oh, the people in Samaria um, received the gospel and they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. I'm sorry, received the gospel and they believed. Okay. Now they sent Simon, um, Verse that is verse, verse 14. They sent Peter and John. Simon is Peter. So they sent Simon, Peter, and, and John. Verse 15 says that when they were calmed down, they prayed for them that they might be filled with the Holy Ghost. So, when Peter and John came, what they observed, one of the first things they noticed was that these people were born again, but they were not filled with the Holy Ghost. That is to show you that being filled with the Holy Ghost is so important. In fact, the moment someone gets um, saved as, uh, as a Christian, the next thing the person should, should aim for, the next the person should look out for, is to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And so Peter and John says, these you guys are not filled with the Holy Ghost. And then they went for on to pray for them to baptize in the Holy Ghost. So this shows us that it's possible for people to um, be believers, but yet not filled with the Holy Ghost. It's possible for people to receive salvation, but not filled with the Holy Ghost. And what happened? Peter and John laid hands on them and then the people got filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, one more thing I want to point out from this verse is that Simon the sorcerer. there was a guy called... Um, there was a guy called Simon, right? Simon the Sorcerer, and he saw that when Peter and John laid hands on these people, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, my question is, what did he see that made him know that they were filled with the Holy Ghost? Because, mind you, this was a physical observation. It was not like he perceived in his spirit. No, it was something he observed that when Peter and John laid hands on these people, they received the Holy Ghost. That means there was a a manifestation that suggested that these people were filled with the Holy Ghost. And even though this this, um, particular instance doesn't categorically say they spoke in tongues, however, I am inclined to to believe that they spoke in tongues because that must have been the physical evidence that Simon could have seen that these people had received the Holy Ghost. And that was what intrigued him and and said, I want the same power. In fact, I'm going to pay you guys money me the same power so that anybody I lay hands on will receive the Holy Ghost and start speaking in tongues. All right. So praying in tongues results in the in in, sorry speaking in tongues is a result of um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And from this scripture, we see that people can be Christians but yet not speak in tongues, and that is an incomplete package. It doesn't mean they wouldn't go to heaven. And just answer the question I put on the um, on the flyer. If, you, if, you're, if you're not baptized in the Holy Ghost, yes, you will go you will go to heaven. Yes, you will make heaven. The, the prerequisite for, for, for um, making heaven or for going to heaven is that you believe in Jesus Christ as the Savior of your life and you receive him. That's the prerequisite. But um, if you're not baptized in the Holy Ghost, yes, you still make heaven. However, you will miss out on a lot that God would have you experience here on earth. All right, so I'm trying to go quickly because um, of time. Um, third example is found in Acts chapter 9. Third example, Acts chapter 9, verse 10. So just go a chapter, um, after that, Acts chapter 9, verse 10. Someone else read for us, someone aside, or someone else should please read for us. Acts chapter 9, verse, um, verse. Okay, so it's a long reading. You know what? Don't worry. I'll read it myself because I'm going to skip a couple of verses. It's a long reading. Acts chapter nine, verse ten. We're going to read from verse ten to eighteen, but I will just have to shorten that. Um. Actually, no. Actually I actually can shorten that. So please, someone read for us. We need every part of the story. Please read for us. Acts chapter nine, verse ten to eighteen. Anyone who is there. Aside from. Nine. Yeah. Okay.
1: okay. 9 verse 10 to is it 18, she? yes,
0: 18, please.
1: Okay, now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias, Yes, Lord. He replied, the Lord said, Go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you, when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord exclaimed Ananias, I have heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who who appeared to you on the road has sent me so you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales from Saul's eye, something like scales, from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up, and he was baptized. Afterwards, he ate some food and regained... Oh, a, a pastor.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's okay. That's fine. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Dan. So, um, I won't go into details as to the whole encounter, but I just want to point out what Ananias said. And look at verse 17. Um, Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him. This is Saul now said, Brother Saul, let me point out one thing here. First of all, is that um, the fact that Ananias called Saul brother Saul suggests to us that at this point Saul was already a believer. Saul had already given his life to Christ, so Ananias could refer to him as a brother. All right, that means a brother in Christ. So Saul was a believer, and he says, "But but he was not yet filled with Holy Ghost at this point." So he says, "Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus." that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest had sent me. So Ananias was explaining to Saul that Jesus Christ sent him. And Ananias told us the two reasons why Jesus Christ sent him. He says that thou might receive sight, number one, and number two, that you should be filled with the Holy Ghost. So Ananias' purpose for visiting Saul was so that Saul's eyes would be opened, and number two, so that Saul would be filled with the Holy Ghost. And um, then the Bible says in verse 18, immediately they, fail, they, they fell from his eyes as he were scales and he received his sight forthwith and was baptized. Now, this scripture doesn't explicitly say that um, Paul spoke in tongues here. However, it suggests to me that he spoke in tongues, reason being, being that, um, number one, he was filled with the Holy Ghost. So there are two things, right, um, and I asked what to do. Pray for Saul's eyes to be open and let him baptize in the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us Saul's eyes were open, and I believe so that he also received the Holy Ghost at this point in time, and he spoke in tongues, and he spoke in tongues. Why do I reach arrive at that conclusion? Go to First Corinthians chapter 14, verse um, verse 18. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18. Now, this is several years later. Paul was writing to to the church in Corinth, right? And explaining, um, speaking in tongues. I'm going to explore this chapter a lot more next week. But this is what Paul said in verse 18. He said, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than ye all. So Paul was telling telling the church in Corinth that, I thank God that me, like this, I speak in tongues more than all of you combined together. So we know that Paul spoke in tongues. So the question is how, at what point did he speak in tongues? I believe it was at the point where Ananias prayed for him to receive his sight and to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay? So that is the third encounter in scripture where people spoke in tongues. Two more examples quickly, and we'll be done for today. Um, The third example is found in the very next chapter, Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, verse 44 to 48. Acts chapter 10. Verse 44 to 48. If you've not read before, I would you know, encourage you to read for us just so that we can hear your voice actually. So, Acts chapter 10, verse 44 to 48. Anyone who is there should please read for us. Acts chapter 10, verse 44 to 48. Anyone that hasn't read before, coming to our rescue, please.
2: Acts chapter 10 from verse 44 to 48. Yes, please. So, While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speak in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for, bapt- for baptizing these people? who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they asked him to remain for some days.
0: Thank you. Thanks so much, Joy. So um, before this, I mean, a long story you can read up yourself, but supernaturally, Peter came to the house of a man called Cornelius because an angel had appeared to Cornelius to tell him, to ask him to send for Peter to come and speak to him the words of, of life, what speaking the word of God. And when Peter came, he began to explain. If you read the, you read the context of his explanation up to, verse, up to verse 44, you see that Peter um, was explaining about Jesus Christ and how Jesus Christ was Lord. Basically, a salvation message, right? And the Bible says, verse 44, that while Peter yet spoke these words, that the Holy Ghost fell on everyone that listened to the message. Now, for the Holy Ghost to have fallen upon them, it suggests to us that they believed the message and they had received Jesus in their hearts, even though it was not categorically stated here. But we know that from the uh, from the previous scriptures that we've read and from the pattern we've seen in, the, in scripture that the Holy Ghost, um, the infinite of the Holy Ghost, is only available to those that believe in Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus Christ says, "If you believe in me, um, you shall speak in new tongues." Right? That's Mark chapter 16. So, the, for the fact that the Holy Ghost was um, was poured out on these people. It tells us and suggests to us that they believed in Jesus Christ. Now we say that there were, um, there, the Holy Ghost fell upon them and they were of the circumcised, meaning those that followed Peter. They were astonished because the Holy Ghost was poured out upon them. How did they know that the Holy Ghost was poured out upon, this, um, upon Cornelius and his family? Look at verse 46. It says, For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So when they're filled with the Holy Ghost, what happened was that they spoke in tongues. So speaking in tongues, again, like I said earlier, is the initial evidence of being baptized in the Holy Ghost. And we see that every time somebody was baptized in the Holy Ghost, they ended up speaking in tongues. So no one can say that, oh, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, but I'm not speaking in tongues. No, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you speak in tongues. All right? Except the person is intentionally refusing to speak in tongues. But if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, then you speak in tongues. Praise God. All right, so, so that's that. I mean, so I just read this shows that. Um, um, so, to show us two things. One thing I haven't mentioned here is that the this in this case, the believing in Jesus and being filled with the Holy Ghost seem to have happened simultaneously. So, they were listening to the message of salvation that Peter was preaching, and they believed in their heart, and immediately they got filled with the Holy Ghost. So, like I said, in some cases, people get filled with the Holy Ghost. At, um, receive jesus christ and get through the holy ghost at the same time i remember an experience I, i've shared this experience with with us um i think some weeks ago when i when we discussed <clears throat> we discussed something i don't remember what it was but i've shared this experience with us how that there was one lady that was um you know demon possessed at um back in school and after we cast out the demon from her immediately we led her to receive jesus christ we led her to to be born again and as soon as she got born again. We prayed for her to receive the Holy Ghost, and that same moment she got filled with the Holy Ghost. And this has happened another time also. Um, one other time, I went for a trip in Abuja, and then this other particular lady. In fact, it was a long deliverance session. But after she got delivered from the demons, we led her to receive Jesus Christ, and immediately after receiving Jesus Christ, we led her to to baptize in the Holy Ghost, and immediately she got baptized with the Holy Ghost. So in some cases, people get people receive salvation, and they get filled with the Holy Ghost in the same instance and that is perfect however you cannot receive the holy ghost you cannot be baptized in the holy ghost if you are not born again all right final example is acts chapter 19. acts of the 19 verse 1 verse 1 to 7. Acts chapter 19 verse 1 to 7 anyone can read for us if you're there anyone at all whether you read before or not you know just read for us Acts chapter 19, there's 1 to 7.
3: Acts 19, one. While Apollos was ministering in Corinth, Paul traveled on through the regions of Turkey until he arrived in Ephesus where he found a group of 12 followers of Jesus. The first thing he asked them was, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? No, they replied. You have not even heard of the Holy Spirit. Paul asked, then what was the meaning of your baptism? They responded, it meant that we would follow John's teaching. For Paul. Paul said, John's baptism was for those who were turning from their sins. And he taught you to believe in and follow the one who is coming after him, Jesus, the anointed one. When they understood this, they were baptized into the authority of Jesus, the anointed one. And Is that
0: no verse 7? Verse 7.
3: Okay. And when Paul laid his hands on each of the twelve, the Holy Spirit manifested and and they immediately spoke in tongues and prophesied.
0: Praise God. What translation is that this? TPT. Okay, TPT. Um, all right. So this is what happened. Paul came into a region and region of Ephesus, and he met certain disciples. So the first thing I again I want to point out is that. These people were disciples. They were born again. They um, they did not. They were not just new. They were not just unbelievers. They were disciples. Okay, so that's the first thing. So they were born again. However, when Paul met them and said, "Oh, have you heard of the Holy Ghost?" They said, "I don't say, have you been baptized in the Spirit?" They said, "In actual fact, we don't even we've never heard of any Holy Spirit." So you can imagine Paul's amazement that some people have been born again but have never heard of the Holy Ghost. And then he now asked them. So onto what were were he then baptized? They said, "Well, we're baptized unto John's baptism." And Paul went on to say that, "Oh no, John's baptism is for John's baptism signifies repentance from sins." But John also testified that when Jesus Christ comes, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and um, with the Holy Spirit. And so, verse um, verse five says, "When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus of the Lord Jesus." So this was. What are now? They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And verse 6, six says, when... I need to write the question down. Um, so I don't forget. Okay. Um, so verse 6 says, And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. So these disciples believed in God, in, believed in Jesus. They were born again. However, they were not baptized in the Holy Ghost. And the first thing Paul did when he found out um sorry please pardon the lights it will back up in a few minutes the first thing jesus christ did when um sorry the first thing paul did i beg your pardon the first thing paul did when he found out that they were they were saved was that he led them into the baptism of the holy spirit and that is to show you how crucial the holy ghost baptism is um for a believer that once a believer is born again the next thing you should you should experience is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay? And also, like I said, this shows you that some people, sometimes Christians are born again, but not baptised in the Holy Ghost, okay? So please give me 30 seconds. Um, Just give me 30 seconds and I'll be right back. All right. Okay, so so this shows that some believers, um, some believers are born again, yeah, but they are not filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? And then, and also this shows the importance of, of the, the priority that, that Paul placed, and I believe this should be a pattern for us, the priority Paul placed on being baptized in the Holy Ghost. Um, okay, let me read someone's question. It says, so does that mean that you don't need to be baptized in water? before you can baptize in the Holy Ghost? Also, does it mean that the Holy Spirit cannot speak to you or you can't be led by the Holy Spirit if you are, if you can't speak in tongues? Very, very good questions. Thank you to me for the questions. I was going to write, so the question I was writing down rather was, was exactly what you asked at first. So let me go straight to answer that. Do I need to be baptized in water before I can baptize in the Holy Ghost? The answer to that question is no. You don't need to baptize in water before you get baptized in the Holy Ghost. And um, so the way we just read now, when we read in Acts chapter 19, shows us that these people were Paul baptized them in the water before they got baptized in the Holy Ghost, right? But when we go to Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, the encounter of Cornelius, we see a different story playing out. Verse 10 says, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 10 verse, verse, um, look at verse, four, verse 46. It says, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, can any man forbid water that this should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as we are? So Peter was basically saying, these were already baptized in the Holy Ghost. So should we now stop them from being baptized in water? And then Peter asked for water and they got baptized with water. So for these people in the house of Cornelius, they first got baptized with the Holy Ghost before they got baptized in water. And as the case for, in fact, when we go to Paul's example, I'm sorry, Paul's experience in Acts chapter 9. The Bible says that in chapter, in verse 17, this was where Ananias came to pray for Paul, right? Where we just read Acts chapter 9, verse 17. It says, and Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus that appeared unto you in the way as thou camest has sent me that thou might receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Verse 18 says, and immediately there fell." They fell, from his, um, they fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. Now, the Bible doesn't say in clear terms here that, it doesn't state clearly here that Paul got baptized in the Holy Ghost. However, I, we can draw an inference that he was baptized in the Holy Spirit because um, Ananias' mission was twofold for Paul to receive his sight and to baptize in the Holy Ghost. And the Bible lets us know that Paul received his sight and that suggests to other that he also got baptized in the Holy Ghost at that moment. And he says that after that, he arose and then was baptized. So if we're accurate, that means Paul got baptized in the Spirit before he was even baptized in water. So to answer your question, anyone can confess. You can be baptized in the Holy Ghost um, before you get baptized in water or you baptized in water before you get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Me personally, my personal experience was that I got baptized in the Holy Ghost maybe three years before I even got baptized in water. And yeah, I got my baptism in water later after that. Okay, second question you asked here is, does that mean that the Holy Spirit cannot speak to you or you can't be led by the Spirit if you cannot cannot speak in tongues? Now, what does the Bible say about being led, and being led by the Holy Spirit? The Bible says that those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God meaning those who, are, those who are qualified to be led are those who are the children of God, all right? So what is the criteria for being a child of God? The Bible says in, in John chapter 1, verse 14, I believe, says that he came to his own, his own did not receive him, but to those that receive him and believe on him, he gave them the right to become children of God. So the prerequisite for being a child of God is that you believe in Jesus Christ, meaning you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life, all right? And accepting Jesus Christ into your life, uh, rather, and so ac- accepting Jesus Christ into your life makes you a child of God. And once you're a child of God, you have the right to be led by the Spirit of God. So, no, you don't have to be baptized in the Holy Ghost to be led by God. Anyone who is a believer has the right to be led by God. Jesus Christ said, My sheep know my voice. What makes us the sheep of Jesus is that we are born again and we receive Him. So, the moment you are born again, even if you don't speak in tongues, you can still be led of God. However, your speaking in tongues gives you an added advantage in your experience of being led by God. All right, you're speaking in tongues. So we're not looking at benefits today, but when we look at it next week, you see that you, you being able to speak in tongues, it activates so many of your spiritual senses and allows you to, to accurately discern um, the direction of God or the leading of God. Okay, I hope that answers the question. So me, just let me know if, if the, this answers your questions. So now to the question I asked. Let me. Let, the question I asked in the, in the flyer was, um, "If why didn't Jesus Christ speak in tongues?" So please, anyone with an answer should share with us before I, I share my own answer. Why didn't Jesus Christ speak in tongues? Okay, to me that answers the your questions. You're welcome. So anyone with come, uh, anyone comes to a rescue. Why didn't Jesus Christ speak in tongues? I think you already mentioned that at that
1: point the Holy Spirit was not giving at that point. I don't know if that's um, the answer.
0: Actually, that is actually part of the answer. So that's that's really good. I um, will explain it further, but yes, that's part of the answer. Any other person, why didn't um, Jesus Christ speak in tongues? I mean he was filled filled with the spirit now, so why didn't he speak with tongues?
2: Okay, I think I think it was a sign for those that believe in Jesus Christ. So if Jesus is Jesus, he, he doesn't need a sign to believe in himself, basically.
0: Okay, 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 that's a good one. That's a good one. Thank you, Joy. Um, One more person, why didn't Jesus Christ speak in tongues? Anyone to the rescue? No one wants to try? All right, okay, so no other um, answer to that. By the way, thank you so much, Idara and Joy, you have really touched on on the answer. I'll I'll just build on what you guys said. So first reason, why didn't Jesus Christ speak in tongues? You see, um, just like Idara Ida said, the dispensation of the Holy Ghost had not yet come. The ability to speak in tongues is such a unique, um, unique competence that is only made available in the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. Now, when you look at the, when you look at the experiences, if you look at the, um, if you look at the signs that Jesus Christ gave, right in Mark chapter sixteen. He said, in my name, they shall cast out demons. In my name, they shall speak in new tongues. Um, they shall lay hands on the sick, and they'll be healed. They shall pick up um, serpents and to hurt them. If they drink anything in dead, it will not hurt them, right? Out of all these five signs that Jesus Christ gave, there were two of these signs that were exclusive to the dispensation of the Spirit. Oh, in fact, there were those. So there are two of these signs that did not occur in the Old Testament, and there was one of these signs that was exclusive to the dispensation of the Spirit. If you read all through the Bible, you never see an, an encounter where a prophet or a priest or anybody casted out a demon. You will never see that. You, that was why when Joshua came and was casting out demons, it was it was surprising to them. You know, when the only, the closest we have is in the book of, I think, 1 Samuel, when the Bible records that when David played the harp, that the demon spirit that was, that was tormenting Saul left. However, that, was, that is different from being from casting out a spirit because we know that the demon spirit still tormented Saul time and again. So every time Saul was in, in practical torment, right, um, David had to play the harp. And when he played the harp, that demonic um, um, possession or oppression rather reduced. But it always came back, meaning the demon was not casted out. <clears throat> the demon was still there, but that torment subsided for the time being. So all through the Old Testament, you'll never see where... A, you never see where anybody casted out a demon, okay, until Jesus Christ came. Also, all through the Old Testament, you never see where anybody spoke in tongues. Even when Jesus Christ came, nobody spoke in tongues, right? Reason is because speaking in tongues is an exclusive experience for the dispensation of the Spirit. And just like Joy also said, said it's a sign for those who believe in Jesus Christ. He says this sign will follow them that believe. And just like Joy explained, Um, Jesus Christ didn't need to believe in himself, right? I mean, he was the son of God, okay? So um, I put here that the dispensation of the Spirit had not yet come. And let me say this: that even though Jesus Christ was filled with the Spirit, yet the dispensation of the Spirit had not yet come. And these are two different things. Jesus Christ himself was filled with the Spirit, right? Um, For his ministry and, and all that he needed to do. However, the dispensation of the Spirit had not come. And that is exactly what, We read in John chapter 7, verse 39, where it says that the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus Christ was not yet glorified. So even though Jesus Christ was filled with the Spirit, yet the Spirit had not yet been given, meaning the dispensation of the Spirit had not yet come, all right? Um, And speaking in tongues is an exclusive reserve for the dispensation of the Spirit. Now, following the same, okay, I think I just explained already that the gift of speaking in tongues and um, the, the act of speaking in tongues and the interpretation of tongues are exclusive reserves of the dispensation of the Spirit. So that's the first that's the first um, reason. The second reason why Jesus Christ didn't speak in tongues is that, you see, the reason why Jesus Christ received the Holy Spirit is slightly different from why we received the Holy Spirit. Now, even though Jesus Christ... Um, even though Jesus Christ was on earth as man, yet he was fully God, okay? And so the reason, uh, and, and for Jesus Christ, the Bible lets us know that in John chapter, chapter 3, verse 34, that Jesus Christ received the Spirit without measure, meaning there was no limit to the, to the measure of the Spirit that Jesus Christ received. However, we, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive the manifestation of the Spirit in measures, this doesn't mean we receive half of the Holy Spirit and then we receive half later. Or, or it doesn't mean that we receive quarter of the Holy Spirit now and we receive quarter later. No, that's not what it means. What it means is that the measure, the extent, the fullness of the Spirit that we we, we uh, manifest is, is up to a certain measure. However, when Jesus Christ, the Bible says in John 3, verse 34, that when Jesus Christ had the Holy Spirit, There was no limit to the measure of the Spirit he had. He could manifest the fullness of this Holy Spirit. That is not the case for us as Christians. We receive the full person of the Holy Ghost. In terms of person, we receive his full person. But in terms of his full capacity, we don't receive it all at once. Let me take that again. When we receive the person of the Holy Spirit, we receive him in his fullness. It's just like saying, when I come to visit your house, I don't leave my leg outside, I come with my full body. I don't leave my hand outside the door, I enter my full body. However, the capacity of the oppression of the spirit is given to us in measures. Because if God releases the full measure onto us, we can't contain it. Our, our, Our bodies are not wired to contain the full manifestation and the full power of the Holy Spirit at once. So what God does is that as we continue to work with him, He gives us in an increasing measure the manifestation of the Spirit and the measure of the Spirit. And there is no person on earth that would receive the fullness or will express all the Holy Spirit has to offer while on earth. It's not possible. It has to be given to us in measures for several reasons. And one of the reasons why Jesus Christ could contain the full measure of the Spirit in his body is because... Remember, number one, that Jesus Christ was God, even though He was fully man, he was, he was yet fully God. Secondly, is that His body is different from our physical body. Jesus Christ wasn't given birth to as a result of of the union of man and woman. Okay, you and I, the only way we can we, have, we were given birth to was because our parents met together. But Jesus Christ came as a supernatural um, work of the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary. So the body that Jesus Christ had, it doesn't have the stain of sin. Now, I need to explain what I mean. You know, the Bible lets us know that it was man that sinned. The the real disobedience was was done by man. Um, Woman was deceived, but man was the one that actually disobeyed. Meaning, the woman was deceived by the serpent, but man was not deceived. It was with his full consciousness that he sinned. Because of that, the seed of sin is in man, Right? That, that's why everybody that is born as a union of man and woman, because the man had a part in that union, automatically has, produces a body of sin. Now, sin has its inherent limitations on our physical body. Okay, And that is why on the last day, God will have to give us a new body, because this physical body have already is corrupted by sin. But Jesus Christ didn't come as a result of the union of man and woman, meaning his body, the body he had physically, was not corrupted by sin. Because of that, Jesus could contain the full measure of the Holy Ghost without breaking breaking down. And it's also because of that that Jesus Christ could ascend into heaven with the same body that he was born with. But you and I will not enter into heaven with the same body. God will have to give us a new body when we are going into heaven. All right? I hope that is... Clear enough, so so Jesus Christ didn't need the Holy Spirit the way we need the Holy Spirit. The reason why Jesus Christ needed the Holy Spirit is different now. We pray in tongues as a way to edify ourselves, okay, as a way to um strengthen ourselves, as a way to edify ourselves. We'll look at that next week. But Jesus Christ didn't need that because He already had the full measure of the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of Him. I hope that explains that. So two reasons here why why Jesus Christ didn't need to speak in tongues. The one is because the dispensation of the Holy Spirit had not come. And then number two is that um, he had the fullness of the measure of God. He didn't need to build up himself in the spirit like we need to. Uh, he already had a full measure. Um, but we need to build up ourselves in in the spirit, right? Because we don't have the full measure. All right. So I hope that helps. We're going to stop now. Is there any question I um, anyone is asking that I haven't covered? Uh, time is fast spent. So I'm just gonna take one more question. Any question that wasn't covered? Or any question you have, right, that you wanna ask before we leave? <laughs> any question, any question? Okay, no question. All right, so I'm taking for granted that we understand all we learned. So I just want us to share one thing that we learned from today's Bible study. Anyone can go ahead and share with us just one thing you learned from today's Bible study um, before we go. One thing you learned from today. Oh, okay, so let me call um, Lola. Do you want to help us go first to anything you learned today? From today's Bible study, Lola uh, DME. Um, yeah,
4: one, one thing, I, sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Oh, okay. One thing I learned is um, you can. It doesn't oh, matter. sorry, your voice just
0: went faint. Um, I'm not sure what happened. Uh, Lola, you there? Okay. I'm here. All oh, right, yeah, it's better now. Oh, okay. Um,
4: one thing I learned was um, it doesn't matter on the order. Yeah. um when you were saying it doesn't you don't necessarily have to get baptized in water first uh for some people they get baptized in the holy spirit um mm-hmm. first before getting baptized in water yeah um so it doesn't necessarily matter um whichever way um i do think what else did i learn i learned a lot <laughs> i guess is is saying um um oh and it was yeah going over some things as well like um if you if you don't get baptized it's not necessarily saying that you won't go to heaven but it means you'll you can miss out on um you know the things that god wants to show you while you're here on earth mm-hmm.
0: um okay that that's good um that's fine. If you think of anything you learned, you can just let us let us know before we, we leave. Thanks so much, Lola. Any other person wants to share what they learned? Um, just one thing, at least one thing you learned today before we go. Um, to me, do you want to share with us? Um, Bola Tito, do you want to share with us? Jess, Jess do you want to share with us? Cecil? Right, Anyone?
1: I think for me, I like um, the part of writing Jesus in tongues, the transition of the Holy Spirit I mean that, you can say it's easy to grab, but I really like the explanation where you um, talked about, you was giving the full measure of the Holy Spirit and now really makes sense um, of his ascension because <laughs> he just went, like they literally saw him going and he went in his body and that actually makes sense that Yes, his body was all corrected by sin. His, his body was not like as and all. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
0: Thank you for that. All right, thank God. Thank God. One more person. Just one more person before we go. Anyone, anyone?
5: Yeah, um, this is Jason Fermi.
0: Yeah, hi, Jas Fermi.
5: Yeah, good evening, everyone. So mm-hmm. basically what I actually left was um Nah about the fact that because I always thought maybe speaking in tongues was part of the criteria of going to heaven, actually, because I always felt guilty with myself that since I couldn't speak in tongues, I find out that, I'm going to I'm not going to enter heaven, or something like that. <laughs> so saying this is actually a relief, though. So uh, I learned that part. And the other part I find quite fascinating was when you explained the part of Jesus not born in a in a god form, not in an human form. So because most times I always thought maybe okay, he was formed the like the way Mary conceived and everything. So I thought maybe it was his flesh was like that of house. So but now you've explained it, further that same, it was more of a god on earth than having the human form. So okay, okay, thank you, thanks so
0: much. Let, let me just add something though. Um. Um, just for me that Jesus Christ was fully man, which is, which is part of the mysteries that he was fully man and fully God at the same time. Um, so yeah. Okay. So Cecil put in the chat, he said, so I actually didn't know nobody cast out demons until Jesus. Yeah. Same here. I mean, at some point I didn't know as well, but yeah. Okay. So thanks so much. One more thing before we go, please, if this is your first time joining us, kind just say hi to us. Just tell us your name and how you, um, who invited you or how you got to know about Bible study. Just before we go, anyone whose first time is today? Tell us your name and um, how you came to join us.
2: Lola, Hi. I know let yeah, go ahead.
0: Hi, good evening, everyone. Name is Balatito,
2: so I joined them, um, or everyone invited me to join. Okay. Oh, nice. Time. i learned a lot today and hope to learn more other that sessions going forward.
0: Amen. Thank you, Bolatti. So please let's welcome Bolatto. Um, for this is our first time. Um, there's someone else. Someone else, Lola. I know we spoke earlier, but do you just want to introduce yourself to the group?
4: Okay. Um, yeah, my name is Lola. Um and I found out about this on Instagram. Um, Was
0: that it? Okay, thank you. Yes, you're welcome. So yeah, let's welcome um, Lola as well. Today's her first time she found us on Instagram. All right, so we're closing now. Thanks everyone. We would meet next week. Um, We'll meet next week, same time, same link, um, same everything. So for those who aren't in the group, I'm just gonna drop a link right away. So we have a WhatsApp group that helps us circulate information and um, anything quickly. So please, you could do well to join the group. I promise you there is no spam. There is no, we don't, we don't accommodate um, unsolicited messages, right? Just strictly Bible study content. So please join us in the group. I just sent, sorry, I just sent the link to, hold on. Okay, I just sent the link to everyone. So please join us. Oh, sorry, that's the wrong link pardon me that's wrong wrong link let me send you the right one OBC group. yeah okay yeah so that's bit.ly forward slash obc group so please join the group um every conversation happens there thank you once again good night everyone have a wonderful night so next week we're going to continue on this we'll look at the benefits of speaking in tongues and by the grace of god if you don't speak in tongues we'll pray for you and you'll be able to speak in tongues immediately. So please, yes, let's meet next week. God bless you. See you next week. Bye. Good.